Hey, my name is Jason. I'm the producer of Relationship Radio. I wanted to let you know that we have a brand new website solely dedicated to working on your pies. Introducing itstartswithattraction.com. You can listen to every episode, learn about the pies, and sign up for our weekly newsletter. Go to itstartswithattraction.com. It starts with attraction, one word. It starts with attraction.com to get signed up today. Emotional affairs. Man, that phrase gets used a lot these days, does it not? My spouse, I don't think, is sexually involved with this other person, but it appears that he or she's definitely having an emotional affair. Or I would never sleep with someone else, but there's another person who's coming to my life, not my husband, not my wife, but this other person's coming to my life, and I have developed this extremely strong connection to them. Am I having an emotional affair? So the question we get would be something like, well, what are the stages of an emotional affair? How do you know if you're in an emotional affair? What leads to an emotional affair? Well, let's talk about those things in this episode of Relationship Radio. This is Relationship Radio, an extension of Marriage Helper International, hosted by renowned marriage and relationship expert, Dr. Joe Beam, and CEO of Marriage Helper, Kimberly Beam Holmes. We answer your questions directly with research-based principles that you can implement immediately. Regardless of the situation, what we teach will not only make your relationships better, but will also help you to become the best version of yourself along the way. Turn up the volume and prepare to take notes as we begin this week's episode of Relationship Radio. So let's talk about these emotional affairs. Where do they come from? How do they happen? What stages does a person go through when having an emotional affair? Hi, I'm Dr. Joe Beam with MH International. My usual co-host, Kimberly Holmes, our CEO, is not with me on this program because she's off working on her PhD right now. She'll be back for future episodes. I know that you enjoy Kimberly and her insight into so many things, but right now she's working on her doctorate so she can be even more effective in helping people. So when we talk about this thing, hmm, how does it happen? Well, understand that an emotional affair has to involve a deep emotional connection with another person. And the only way we can develop a deep emotional connection with another person that's actually reciprocal, in other words, not just some crush I have on you that you don't know about, but actually it's between two people, would be if we're communicating with each other, but not just about mundane, ordinary things. And so typically an emotional affair will begin by somebody who's not looking for one. And so here I am talking to a coworker or somebody that I see regularly at the bus stop because I ride that bus to work or some situation like that. I know of one that I dealt with years ago where it happened in a donut shop. She would go into the donut shop every day to buy donuts for the office. And she got to interacting with the guy who owned that shop. And they started kidding around with each other. And the conversations got longer and longer. And so finally, they decided they would meet other places to talk as well because they enjoyed each other. And so the first thing that would happen is that you have some kind of vulnerability that when the other person is touching emotions that you enjoy feeling. Like, hey, this person's really listening to me. This person thinks I'm funny. This person cares about me. This person says things that lead me to feel better about myself. Any kind of positive interaction you have with another person 
can be the beginning of an emotional affair. <laughs> At this point, you're going, good grief, Dr. Beamer. You're saying I should live in some kind of a bubble and never talk to anybody anywhere, anytime? No, I'm not. But I'm saying if that vulnerability is there, you probably should recognize it and be aware of how powerful it can be. Because the first thing that happens, if you're going to do after that vulnerability, is that you start having interactions with each other to the point that they gradually begin to cross boundaries. Cross boundaries in what way? Well, let's say you decide you're going to meet someplace else to have those conversations. There's a general rule of thumb that we talk about in marriage, and that is this. The first time you make something a secret, you have crossed a boundary. May I say that again? The first time you make something a secret, you've crossed a boundary. And so we'd say, don't have those secrets. Sometimes the therapist will say, you're only as sick as your secrets. Hmm. And so that's typically what's going to happen, though, in an emotional affair is that you have some kind of vulnerability, even if you don't recognize it. And now you gradually increase the communication process with the other person to the point that you're crossing boundaries. Now, like I said, it may be in where you go and how you hide it. That's a boundary you cross. It may be, on the other hand, that the things that you talk about start crossing boundaries. And if you're thinking, oh, well, what you're saying is if we start using sexual innuendo, then we're crossing boundaries. Yes, yes, you are. But that's not all there is to it. It can be when you start really sharing the deep emotions that you feel. You see, typically the way people communicate would be this. I'm going to share facts. I'm going to tell you things about me. You're going to tell me things about you. And if I feel like you accept me, that you like me, even though I'm flawed, I'm not perfect, then I'll start sharing deeper facts. I'll start telling you things that I'm afraid that people might reject me for. And I'll tell you little ones to begin with, kind of testing the water. Are you listening? Do you still like me? Do you still accept me? Do you still respect me? Hmm, I tested the water. So I'll tell you some more. And I'll tell you some more. And so often it's a situation where that you're now talking about things that you really should not be talking to with somebody other than the person that you want to be close to, which hopefully would be your spouse. Now, at this point, you might be thinking, well, you're describing my spouse, Dr. Beam, not me. Okay. I realize that you may be on either end of that, that maybe you're the spouse where that your spouse has gotten involved with somebody else. I also realize you may be the spouse where that you're the one involved with somebody else. And this emotional affair eventually develops because of the fact that you gradually cross boundaries by sharing information you shouldn't be sharing. Now, that gets deeper and deeper. And if somebody eventually comes along and says something about it, like, you know, maybe you guys shouldn't spend so much time together, then you think, well, they don't understand. Maybe we should hide it even more. And you keep developing the relationship and you keep telling yourself to begin with this often is the case, not always. No, it's just friendship. We're just buddies. We're just pals. Nothing else is going on here. I just like being with her because she thinks like I do. I just like being with him because he, he leads me to feel good about myself. But nothing bad would ever happen because we're good people. And so those crossing the boundaries, which is the first step after the vulnerability, sometimes the next stage is when you finally admit to yourself and maybe even to the other person, the emotions that you have toward that person, letting him or her know, you know, I like you a whole lot. 
And if they react positively to that, then maybe right at that very same moment or a week later or a month later, based on how secure you feel, you know, I feel a great love for you. And if they react positively to that somewhere along the line, which could happen in two minutes, two days, two weeks, who knows, you know, I really am in love with you, more in love with you than any person I've ever felt in my life. And if they reciprocate, if they're letting you know they feel the same kind of way toward you, You see how that vulnerability then led to crossing boundaries that you did so gradually, typically, that you did so gradually, you didn't put any barriers up because we're not doing anything wrong, we're good people, until finally the admission comes and you have to admit to yourself and probably to the other person that you really have crossed boundaries, that you've developed a relationship that you ought not have because of the fact that either you or he or she is married to somebody else. And so once you make that admission, the next thing is you wind up accepting it and justifying it. Accepting the fact that you feel that way, accept the fact that you've crossed the boundaries, but rather than continuing to feel guilty about it, if you feel any guilt at all, you justify it. Well, but nobody's ever felt about me the way you have. I've never felt about anybody the way I feel about you. You know, you're my soul mate. You're the person I was intended to be with all along. And so you wind up justifying it. And then the next thing you know, typically what happens, not always, but typically what happens is you start vilifying your spouse. You know, she could never understand me like you do. You know, he could never be there for me like you are. He's traveling. He's worried about money. He's always trying to get ahead in the world out there. And I'm just so very alone. But you understand what's important in life. And it's about people. And you're always there for me. And so you accept it. And then you justify it, making it, this is okay. This is all right. And then if it continues to go past that, it will be leaving the marriage. Like, I don't need to be with my wife anymore, my husband anymore. I really need to be with you. And so you may separate from your spouse. You may divorce your spouse. Sometimes that occurs. And you may be thinking, I'm going to marry you and we're going to be happy as long as we live because we're perfect for each other. But you see, there's another stage, one that people typically don't think about, and that's this. Emotions always change. Now you're saying, oh, no, 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 no. You know, if I'm the one having the emotional affair, I'm going to tell you right now, Dr. Beam, you're wrong about that. This intensity, I have felt it now for a year, two years, maybe even three. And so I know this is going to last forever. We're always going to feel this way about each other. I know you believe that. And I'm not trying to disparage your belief system. I'm just saying that if you pay attention to human beings, emotions change. Sometimes they get stronger. Sometimes they get weaker. Sometimes they just disappear altogether. But people make decisions thinking, nobody's ever felt like this, and so I want to be with you. And that's when they'll typically end a marriage and sometimes wind up marrying each other. Interestingly, often they don't wind up marrying each other because the emotions change before they actually get to that point. So have you followed so far what I've said? There's some stages involved there. They've been put up on the screen for you, as you can see, as we've gone through. And those typically are the same stages that happen when a person goes into not just the emotional affair, but also the sexual affair. Now, understand that if it's just a sexual affair, it won't follow those exact same 
stages because of the fact that the emotional connection between the two people really doesn't develop. A sexual affair that's just a sexual affair is just about sex. It's about the sensations, the feel, the thrill, the rebellion, the doing what we shouldn't be doing, the fact that you have certain sexual skills my spouse doesn't have, or et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But those typically do not evolve into strong emotional connections. And so the stages I've given you here demonstrate some of the difference between an emotional affair and a sexual affair or a physical affair. Sometimes people call them that. I hope that you got the main points there, but there's some more nuances we need to talk about. And we'll do that by responding to some of the questions that people have sent in to us. I caught my husband on two separate occasions having emotional affairs with women from his work. Why does he keep doing this even after knowing how much I was hurt the first time I found out? I know that it hurts to find that your spouse has been involved with somebody else. But not just one somebody else, but in this particular question, she says there have been two people that he has been involved with. And she even points out that he knows how much it hurt me. Now, she didn't say that exactly in those words, but that's basically the way she said in the question. He knew how he reacted the first time. In other words, he knows how hurt I was by what he did, but he did it again. How in the world can that happen? What's going on here? Now, in all likelihood, she's probably asking herself some questions such as these. Is it my fault? Have I not been enough for him emotionally? Have not been his support system that people expect a spouse to be? Have I not been there for him? Or is there something he needs that I'm incapable of giving? Or maybe, maybe I'm not satisfying him sexually the way I should. So is it my fault? And then sometimes that leads into comparing yourself with the other person. Like in this particular case, this wife found me looking at one of those women going, what does he see in her that he doesn't see in me? Is she prettier? Is she smarter? Is she? There's no advantage to those questions. Because you see, if you start comparing yourself to somebody else, you don't know enough about them to really make a good comparison. Well, I can tell if he or she's more attractive than I, generally speaking, yes. But it's not going to give you the information that you think that you have. You understand you'll start making decisions based on your suppositions, your interpretations, your assumptions. And boy, if you want to wind up with some bad conclusions, make decisions that way. <laughs> It'll lead you to misunderstand not only everybody in the situation, but you will misunderstand you as well. And so what's going on here? Is it her fault? You know, I don't know the particular couple. Therefore, I can't speak to their situation directly. But the fact that he's done it twice probably indicates, now understand I don't know him, so I'm speaking in generalities, probably indicates that this man has a particular vulnerability. Now, the vulnerability might be to women in general. Suppose he grew up as an ugly duckling and girls didn't pay much attention to him. And, and now that women do pay attention to him because he's different now that he's grown, he's really lapping up that attention. And it just signifies things to him that we can't begin to comprehend because we don't understand all the emotions of his childhood. So could it be a vulnerability of I was the ugly kid, but now people, now women particularly pay attention to me? Maybe. Could it be that I've always needed maternal affection? My mother was cold. She didn't give it to me. And so any woman who pays attention to me becomes really significant in my life. Is that a possibility? Sure. But do we know if that's true of him? Obviously not. 
But you see what I'm trying to say here is the fact that it's replicated, the fact that it's happening a second time, in all likelihood indicates there's a vulnerability within him. And either he doesn't understand that vulnerability, not paying much attention to it, or he's actually catering to the vulnerability. I know I like the attention of women and that woman's paying attention to me. So let me kind of fan the flames on that. I'll find more ways to be in conversation with her. I'll find ways to take it into even deeper levels to the point where they do that pattern that I talked about earlier in this podcast so that they go through from the vulnerability to crossing boundaries to finally admitting to themselves and the other person what they feel to accepting and justifying that. And then to whatever consequence that comes from it, even leaving a spouse. So in this particular case, I could not say to the wife, this is not your fault. You have no blame in this whatsoever because I don't know her and I don't know her situation. But just looking at it from general standpoint, I'd say this guy has a particular problem. And that problem that he's seeking to fulfill through interaction with other women, those interactions aren't going to solve that problem. Now, you might be thinking, well, if that's the case, then you're saying that he's not worth being married to, that he's always going to do these kinds of things. Actually, I'm not saying that at all. I'm saying that if you begin to understand, hmm, it appears here he's got a vulnerability. And if you can still have conversations with him, where that you can, with time, help him begin to understand that vulnerability just by asking questions, not by trying to be a psychoanalyst, not by trying to be a therapist or a counselor, but just somebody who loves, who cares, and asks questions. After a while, maybe he begins to understand, yes, I do have that weakness, those kinds of things. You see, the fact that it hurt you the first time and you did it again probably indicates that it's all about him. Now, if he's just one mean, terrible guy who loves hurting you, that still says something about him. Or if he's a guy that hates the fact that he hurts you, but now he's doing it again, it's probably because of that great vulnerability he himself has that's leading him to do things that are not right. And he's not letting himself think about the pain he's causing you because it's fulfilling some kind of need within him. Now, does that make it right? Certainly not. Does it mean that he's going to do this the rest of his life? No, it doesn't mean that at all. With the right kind of help, you can get past that. As a matter of fact, I'll tell you something as we get to the end of this podcast. I'll give you some information about some things that we can do to help both of you figure out why this is happening and what you can do to overcome it. But we have another question. My husband and I have been married for 11 years, but I recently discovered that he's been talking to other women on his phone. He denies everything and says I'm pushing him away the more I bring it up. He told me that if I record him again, that he's going to leave because I'm not trusting him when he says he's being honest. How should I handle this situation? So based on the question this lady asked, we don't know how far into this emotional affair kind of thing he is. Now, she says he's talking to other women on the phone, and she's unhappy about that, so she feels that that then is violating their contract, if you will. And in that sense, she would see it as an affair. But she doesn't mention that he's having strong emotional connections with these other people. As a matter of fact, what she says is when he's on the phone, he keeps saying bad things about me. And so is there a possibility then that this guy's just some terrible guy that likes to say terrible things about his wife to other people? Yeah, that's a possibility. But is it also a possibility that because of the fact that 
he feels his wife does not listen to him, that his wife does not care about what he feels, that that they don't have any real communication process because perhaps he sees her as judgmental, as, as unforgiving, as hard or cold, then it could be that the reason he's talking to these other women is because he's listening for a voice that tries to understand him, who truly does listen and try to comprehend what he feels. No, no, I'm not justifying what he's doing. I'm saying anything you do that causes your spouse pain, you shouldn't be doing. It's just wrong. So no, I'm not justifying him. I'm trying to figure out what's going on here. Now, you know, because I don't know him and I don't know her. Therefore, I don't know the whole situation. Anything I say about them specifically is speculation. I'm never going to be like those people that you find on the Internet who, who hear three things about you and know everything about you and what you should do. Those people are charlatans and frauds. The rest of us who try to understand, say, this is a possibility, that's a possibility, that's a possibility. But working with the two of them would be some way to help work this out. So is he definitely emotionally connected to the other women? Not based on what she says. If he is, she didn't articulate that. Is she doing things that are pushing him away? Yes, she actually admits that. He says that if I record him again, now, that means that she's been doing it surreptitiously. That means that he doesn't know she's doing it until she presents the recordings to him. Because if he knew in advance, they would have had the conversation before. That is coming up afterwards when she has the recording, which means that he doesn't know she's doing it. She's being sneaky. And he feels violated. He might be thinking, well, who cares what he feels? He's talking to other women. He's violating. Okay. But if you try to understand why somebody does what he or she does, often you can find a way to help them stop doing it and to do something better. And so my recommendation to this young lady is this. If you keep recording those calls, if you keep sneaking around behind him and trying to find out that he's doing this, that or the other, then that push will eventually push him completely away. He's already let you know how bad it's hurting him. Yes, I understand your pain. I know it hurts. And, and I'm all for him not talking to other women, but the, but finding that relationship with you where you two can be intimate in the sense of being open, transparent, vulnerable to each other. But that's not the situation you have right now. And through your apparent desperation, you are not making it better. You're making it worse. Now, if you just want to get the evidence so you can divorce him, record away. I mean, if you just gather things for your attorney so you can divorce him, then go right ahead and do these things. But if you really want to continue the marriage, if you want it to last, then why would you do something that you know is going to run him the other direction? Even if you think he's wrong in doing it, what value is there in you still recording it? Does it make you feel better to hear that he says something negative about you to another woman? You know it doesn't. Does it make him feel better about the relationship with you to, to know that you're sneaking around doing things behind his back? No, you know that's not good. And so I'm saying to you here, if you understand what's happening, he apparently is nowhere near some of the later levels of, of the emotional affair where that, you know, he may have crossed some boundaries. But where he's admitting his affection for the other person, what he feels toward the other person, justifying that. Not based on what you said here. You're just saying he's saying negative things about you. And is he ready to, to so accept and justify the fact that he's somehow connected to another person? He's ready to leave you. 
it doesn't appear bad. As a matter of fact, the only threat he had to leaving you, at least in what you said here, came because of the fact that you continue to sneak behind his back and do things. No, I'm not trying to beat you up, lady. I'm really not. I'm not trying to make you out to be the bad person. He should not be saying these negative things to other women. He should not. But I'm telling you that the things that you're doing are not making it better. They're actually making it worse. Now, there are some other things we can talk about. In last uh, episode of Relationship Radio, I talked about the fact that we have nothing called an affair toolkit. And we have one for the spouse who feels that he or she's being cheated on and one for the spouse who is actually being involved with somebody else. Now, I don't know that I can tell you that your, your spouse is definitely having an affair. I'm saying that what he's doing is not good. But based on the information you've given here, I can't say definitively that he's having an affair. But if you want to get the Affair Recovery Toolkit for you, maybe that'll be a benefit to you here. And I'll mention something else in a couple of minutes that I think is even more effective than that. But first, let's do the takeaways. Now, this is typically a job that Kimberly Holmes does, but she's off working on that PhD as I'm recording this. (laughs) And therefore, I have to do it. So I have to write it down. Kimberly has got such a great memory. We go through the program and she's got them like that. I have to jot them down ahead of time. And so what are the stages? Okay, friendship that gradually crosses boundaries. And before that, there is some kind of vulnerability some kind of vulnerability, but then friendship that gradually crosses boundaries. And then it finally, at some point, admission to yourself and probably to the other person of the depth of the emotion that you feel toward that person. And then another step is accepting and justifying the emotional affair. I know I'm violating what should be occurring with my husband or wife by having this kind of intimacy, this openness, transparency, vulnerability with another person. But I accept the fact that I'm doing that. I don't feel guilty about it anymore. And I can justify it by explaining this is what it does for me. This is what it does for her. And this is what's wrong with you. And then finally, if they get to the final step of leaving a marriage, then that would be the stages they go through. But you can intervene. You can do something in the meantime to get it from going that far. Now, both of the women that ask these questions, I hurt for them. I really do. And and it may sound like I'm going to be giving you something so much bigger than what your problem is, but I don't think it is. You see, if you want to call our toll-free number, for example, you can ask to speak to one of our client representatives. And if you talk to a client representative, now he or she is not a counselor. They're not therapists. They don't do that. But they'll listen to try to understand the situation that you're in. And then they can guide you toward whichever service that we have, whatever product we offer that can help you with your specific and particular situation. We have quite a few. And obviously, because I'm not talking directly to you, I can't tell you which one's just right for you. But if you talk to one of our client representatives, he or she can listen to you and help you find that right thing. And the one that I think you should wind up looking at, if indeed you feel that your spouse is having an emotional affair, that you really believe that, then please look into our workshop for couples in trouble. It's our three-day turnaround weekend for couples in trouble. Now, if you're thinking, well, I'll come with my spouse right now, but I don't think he or she'll come. We actually have another version of it just for solo spouses. And we do that online, that particular version. And so one spouse comes to it. We cover the same kind of material, but in sort of a different way. And, and if you're thinking, well, wait a minute, it's not my fault what's happening, and, and you want me to come through a workshop? Mm-hmm. 
Because then you can begin to understand a greater, with much greater depth, why her spouse is doing what he or she is doing. But also understand with much greater depth what your behaviors and your actions might be doing that rather than making things better, which is what you want, you actually inadvertently are making things worse. Now, I hope to see you in one of those three-day workshops. But if that's not what you want right now, I'll guarantee you. Talk to our client representatives, and they can help you find the right thing for you if we have it. And if we don't have what's right for you, they'll tell you that. We're honest about those things. Now, we've been talking about emotional affairs and sexual affairs quite a bit in this episode and the one before that. And we have another episode of Relationship Radio. We're talking about the same thing. Let's see what it's going to be about. Oh, yeah. Emotions are difficult to change just because you want them to. So fear that my spouse is involved with somebody else. You can't just will that away. Love for my spouse that now is turning into great pain because of the fact that I think he or she doesn't love me in the same way I love them. Yeah, well, you can't make that pain go away just by willing it away either. Or I don't want my spouse to feel that way about someone else. Mm -hmm. You can't will that away. Or maybe you're the person involved with somebody else emotionally or sexually or both. And in that, you find yourself thinking, I don't want to be in this emotional connection anymore. I want to get over this. I want to be true back to my spouse again. Well, none of those things happen by an act of willpower. But can they be done? Yes. Is willpower involved? Yes. But not just in forcing it to happen. And if you would like to find out how to do that, how to overcome the emotions involved in an affair, we'll be talking about that in the next episode of Relationship Radio. Thank you for joining us for this week's episode of Relationship Radio. Please refer to the notes in the description to learn more about any resources mentioned in this episode. Please visit our website at marriagehelper.com for more information about our online courses, marriage workshops, and coaching. We exist to help save marriages and strengthen families. We look forward to interacting with you on the next episode of Relationship Radio.